ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat here with producer Kyle. And today for this podcast, we are in my living room. And the reason we're in my living room is because we had booked a guest yesterday, uh, Frank Isola from the Daily News to participate in the podcast. And he failed to mention that he is in San Francisco, so he could not join us in the studio. So we let the studio guys go home and decided to instead scramble and make up a podcast out of our home, which is an interesting thing that we decided to do. You're going to hear later, we have Christy Eckert from the Daily News and Anthony DeComo from MLB.com calling in. We're going to talk tons of Mets today because I am leaving for spring training to go down to the lovely Port St. Lucie on Saturday. I'll be down there for nine days with the team. I'm going to do some sideline reporting and some reporting for SNY. So I'm really excited about that because the weather is going to be gorgeous. I went last year and had a really good time meeting a bunch of the players and getting some great information from them. And, um, I don't know. It, it'll, it's just, it's a great way to get away and also do work. So I don't get to go on that many business trips. I'm also really excited to see Cespedes' cars because I've only seen them on all of the video that we've brought in. I have not seen them in person and that will be pretty cool. Do you think he has more than the ones he's just showed up with? Like we only had a week of Cespedes car show. Are I don't there, think are there so others? because you would probably have seen video from yeah, that's a good point. us showing it or people on Twitter. Anyway, I'm really excited to do that. And you know what? There's not much else going on down in Port St. Lucie. We're going to talk to some of the beat writers about what the heck they do down there when they're not watching baseball games. The majority of the time people are watching baseball games. It's not like people, you know, sometimes you can go to the beach, but there's really not much else going on. Well, so, you were down there last year. What did you do when you weren't reporting? I met a friend down at the beach and, you know, we had drinks and, and hung out in the afternoon. And then at night, you basically back, go back to your hotel. So... I mean, that, that's really all there was to do. I did go shopping at Publix, which is a grocery store down there. Very nice. If you're familiar with Publix, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I know it's a grocery store. I can't say right. I'm familiar with it. Right. We have Gristidi's here in Manhattan. That's, right. That's the extent. That's kind of like the mid-level uh, grocery store. The worst. West we're getting, we're getting sidetracked. Market we're getting sidetracked. West Side Market's where it's at. Yeah, we're getting sidetracked. Anyway, so yeah, I'm excited to go down there. You know, I made a fool of myself um, a couple times last year because I was new to the game. Not saying that I won't do it this year. I could potentially do it again We need this more year. embarrassing stories for future podcasts. I so know, maybe you self-sabotage just a little bit. Maybe, but if it risks me not doing my job well, I think that could end up coming off as what's, not a good thing. What's more important, job or podcast? Come on, listeners, well, let us is, know. Well, the thing is, all of those embarrassing stories came 100% organically. I didn't force any of them, yeah, so I'm not going to force them for your enjoyment because no, that right. would that's, definitely not be worth that's it. a fair point i guess i'm sort of in the position where i'm interviewing you today sure because you're the one who's going away and i'll be up here in the cold ish what are you looking to take away from this experience of doing spring training sideline reporting for a second year when i went down last year i was supposed to be shadowing steve gelbs and i did shadow steve gelbs who does a great job uh, as the sideline reporter but there's not much to do in terms of shadowing because he basically does all of his in-game stuff right beside the dugout. You don't sit next to him in the dugout. You wait inside. And you go into the clubhouse and talk to the guys. But it's a weird situation in terms of shadowing. So I was very self-taught last year and coming up with everything on my own about how to, how to do stuff, basically watching everyone else and then doing what they did. This year, because I have a 100% better understanding about what I'm going to do, it's going to be that much easier. My knowledge base is much stronger. You know, I've known these players at least now. I've seen them around the field a couple times. So I'm going to get so much more out of it this year than I did last year just because I know more. And that's going to help a lot, you know, going into this. 
So what would you then, aside from your embarrassing stories, pass along to someone trying to get into sideline reporting and maybe not in a situation similar to this, but what would you tell them to avoid doing that you maybe did last year and then learn from? I don't know if it's about so much avoiding what I did because I don't know that there was much that could have been avoided with what happened to me. I had a guy that I went up to and I thought was him, but it was another dude sitting under that guy's locker. So I don't know how much more I could have done there. You know, when Sean Martin decides to sit under Matt Reynolds' locker and I call Sean Martin Matt Reynolds, he's going to look at me and be like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I mean, I'm going to look at him and be like, go sit under your own locker. Well, moral of the story is then don't trust the nameplates above lockers. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, so, a, that's that's definitely a good so moral. That's, that's good. That's, that's a good, good one. The other one would be basically to make sure that you know all the players on the team and don't um, accidentally call them Yankees because that's what I did with David Wright. Yeah. Just I mean, but that was also idiot. here. That wasn't. In, but that's a good rule to go by for people trying to get into sports. <laughs> oh, that was so awful. I hope Zach Wheeler never mentions that again because if he just keeps bringing it up every time I see him, um, you might not ever see Zach Wheeler again. But the, Oh, okay. Well, we don't need to go that dark, but that might give no, you I a just good... No, he just might run away because I'm just going to be really mean to him. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe don't be too mean to him because he might be willing to talk to you down there. And if he opens up with He's a little joke... He's already shunned... Andy Martino. I don't know. Maybe I'm next on the list. You're not Andy Martino. Maybe he's got the lipstick and the shotgun. It's all on the list. He knows what's going on. We're never going to have Zach Wheeler on this podcast? I hope we do. I bet we will. Well, I'm, I'm looking probably forward a cool to guy. it. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah. So, it'll be that. You're a great interviewer, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. We throw, I just come up with the questions half the time. Um, what are you looking forward towards with this team? Like when you go down there, what are you hoping to see that's going to show you that this team is capable of taking that next step in going to the World Series again, but this time coming out with the trophy at the end of the year? I think in general, you know, these guys learning that where they got last year is something that they can do not only again this year, but for several years to come, having that be normal for them and having instead of it being like, oh, the Miracle Mets and all this this hoopla, having them have the confidence that this is who they are will completely change their game. And now that they're not under the radar anymore and teams are gunning for them and they know they have a target on their back, they can go into to games completely differently. And I think that'll you'll watch that change going into this season. You'll see that over the course of the season. We've made it known throughout this podcast that you're not solely a Mets fan. You did grow up outside of New York. You like the Nationals. Correct. But you also root for players. You don't, and that's for you across all sports. You don't root for just one team. You have, you're a fan of certain players. What are some storylines involving other players not on the Mets that you're excited to see this year? There's one storyline involving two players that I've been pretty uh, annoyed about recently. I don't know if you've seen this on Facebook and Twitter. These stupid gender reveal parties for these athletes. It started off as a cute thing where people cut the cake and they see if it's a boy or a girl because the icing is blue or pink. It's so ridiculous. But now it's trickled into athletes doing it. And first up was Freddie Freeman. He tosses, you know, his wife tosses a pitch up in the air and he smashes this ball and all of a sudden a cloud of blue smoke explodes into the sky. And they're having a boy. I don't get it. What are the rest of the people at this party doing? They're standing around, what, with beers and watching you hit a baseball? Like, they've never Wait, seen that before, Freddie so Freeman? So they're doing what you generally do at a baseball game. Right. I don't see a problem with that, then. But it's not a baseball game. They no, were in, it's, it's a fun little thing that they're doing they with their family. They were invitations to go show up to a party, and instead you're making them wait around to see if it's 50-50 one way or the other. I'm sure a by party way, was had later. By the way, nobody besides maybe the grandma... And the wife are invested in the gender of the child. Nobody cares. It could either be a boy or a girl. That's it. 
And then Danny Espinosa comes along as the second player in this storyline. He hops with a piñata instead in the front yard and he hits it and it just gets stuck in the tree. And I'm like, what? so what are you doing here? What actually are you doing? Also, side note, he's 0 for 17 this spring with nine strikeouts. The guy can't hit a piñata, let yeah, alone was, a baseball. That was abundantly clear in his little viral video. Uh, I, Freddie Freeman did it much better. He did. I was like, okay, maybe this it, is trending it, it was cooler. to be a little cooler. I was at a store the other day and I was asking, you know, a woman who I know has been to a lot of these parties because she likes going to these little cutesy parties. You don't like going to cutesy parties? I'm not a big fan. Okay. I was asking her whether she thought that these were cool. And she's like, you know what? They're not really for us, but we're all invited anyway. It's like inviting a bunch of people over who don't like fighting. In fact, who maybe wince at the sight of blood or getting punched in the face. Inviting them to a fight party. What are these people doing? Only the people who are watching the fight care. You invited a bunch of people who don't. They're expecting a good time because it's called a party. I don't know if we forgot what the word party means. It means party. Like, we're going to party, man. No, that's not partying. It's sitting around eating either a blue or pink cake, which I'm sure neither of those frostings tastes good because it's... It, it's just food coloring, Alexa. Well, it's disgusting food coloring. We've determined now that you and Peter, in the eventuality that you have a kid, will not have a gender reveal party. And you'll just post on Facebook, it's a boy, it's a girl, and then that's it for you guys? I know, but my mom... You wouldn't so do something cute. You wouldn't do something crazy? No, we would never. You guys wouldn't do like a wrestling-themed gender reveal party? Never. We had wrestlers on our cake, okay? It stops there. That's enough. <laughs> We had, we had five wrestlers, plastic figurines on our wedding cake because I didn't really care. I was like, unless it's sports themed, which we both root for so many different teams, the cake would look like a sports almanac barfed all over it. I wasn't going to do that. He said, I really feel strongly about having wrestlers be on the cake. And I said, sure, why not? Let me take a couple pictures of it just being white with some flowers on it. So at least I have those pictures and then throw your figurines on the cake, throw your dolls on the cake. I don't care. And then, and then Mark Henry and um, MVP, who were both at the wedding, posed next to the cake with the wrestlers on it. And it was a whole thing. It was nice. Oh, see, so you liked that. Yeah, I was but you, into but that. But you're not into a gender reveal. That's no. not for you guys. Okay. No. I just don't understand the concept. Anyway, so that is one storyline that I'm not looking forward to in baseball to uh, answer your question. I want to see what happens with Bryce Harper this year. I don't. Well, yeah, because, you know, I'm a big Bryce Harper fan. I like the fact that he's calling out baseball as being tired. He's setting the precedent that you guys don't like my bat flips. You don't like my chocolate sauce celebrations. I don't give a fuck. I like that. And I like a lot of the younger guys who were like that too. You know, this is how they grew up. They grew up watching guys who were kind of showmen in their sport, not necessarily in their sport, but in other sports. And they decided to take on a little bit of personality too. Because, hey, guess what? Guys have personality. So I'm, I'm into it. I'm excited to see how he either tops himself from last year. I mean, he can't play any better than he did last year. So does if his play drops, does he keep up the antics? I'm interested to see how that works out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think guys can have uh, antics if they're not performing well. Uh, yeah, you I, can, mean, I think you can have in big moments like with Batista last year in the playoffs when he hits that home run. Well, you're not going to bat flip you if you strike that. out. So no, no, of course not. If you not. hit a home run, you would... You would do a bat flip. Yeah. And I mean, guys like David Ortiz do it every time. And he, he pimps it a lot against the Yankees. And guess what? People love, oh, I love Big it. Poppy. Love it. People are so into Big Poppy. No, I mean, I love it. Do you think he'll get recognized at Yankee Stadium this year? He should. For sure. He should. I mean. It'll be interesting to see what the Steinbrenners do, though. They might not. Yeah. I mean, or it might be some, you know, like, the Steinbrenner, tiny little The Steinbrenners stupid. might not. They might do like a, you know, thanks for all the hard times type of deal, like something sarcastic. But it, Like it, a I think light it, up on the board in yeah, center field. I think it depends more upon what the fans will do. 
that I don't know that you necessarily care what the owners do. You care more how the fans like appreciate sort of greatness in front of you. Yeah. I think you're going to get something. You think it'll be you think they'll be chanting Big Poppy? Maybe they might boo him every time he comes up yeah, that'd and that be cool. that'd be sort of like what you would expect yeah. and that like acknowledging that he's given you some heartache over the years. I think that's he deserves that. He deserves a bit of applause too. So we'll see how that goes. I think he deserves a little something from the fans. How many different players are we going to do this with though? Because there are a lot of players out there who meant a lot to their organizations and who meant a lot to other organizations because of rivalries. But how many players do we do this with? Yeah, I think you could do it with the guys who sort of transcend their own sport, their own team. You look for the guys who touch across the whole game, that are recognized across the whole game, guys that you could see as well, that's a first or second ballot Hall of Famer. Derek Jeter yeah. is the case for Kobe Bryant. How, it's kind of the case for Big Poppy. I don't know. It's 100% the case for him. We'll see. Maybe not a cro- He was more goofy and like antics than he was necessarily. I mean, he's a great player. Well, he was, I but mean, he's a part of the team that brought a World Series to the, the Red Sox. Yeah, of course. So. But I just don't understand. I, I don't know if I see him on that same level. I don't know that he's going to get the nationwide celebration. But I feel like in the AL East, there'll be recognition there. Right. Yeah, which is it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So coming up, we're going to talk to Christy Eckert from The Daily News and Anthony DiComo from MLB.com, who both have really great insight, who have been down in the trenches with the Mets for a long time now. I bet they're ready for the season to start because they're ready to watch some actual meaningful baseball. Christy and Anthony coming up next. Joining us now is Christy Ackert from the Daily News, who has been down in spring training with the Mets for a while now, and she's been getting all kinds of awesome scoops. The first one that I read about was the Ruben Tejada one she's been working on for a while. And for those who don't know, he was released by the Mets after going unclaimed on waivers. He'll get about $500,000 from them. Christy, why not keep him? Well, they felt $3 million was a lot of money for a light-hitting middle infielder backup. Um they felt like they had better better options in Wilmer Flores, and, you know, they could move Eric Campbell into a role where he backed up at first and third when Flores had to play short. It also gives them a chance to check on um, Matt Reynolds, who's a prospect that they liked a lot, and they, they haven't had a room for him yet. And uh, Gavin Caccini's in the, wait, in the wings waiting, and so is Ahmed Rosario. Trujado is never going to have a future with this team. What have you heard from Matt Reynolds from the clubhouse, from guys that, you know, have been around him for a while? What do they like so much about him? Well, the players like him as a guy. They think he's a decent, he's a good defensive shortstop. I have heard from scouts. However, there's concern about whether he can hit at the major league level. And he, quite frankly, he hasn't proven that yet. Um, he hasn't faced major league pitchers who are ready to go yet. So we need to see that this spring to know where he's going to fit. And you would say Wilmer Flores opening day shortstop, correct? Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in as Drupal Cabrera being ready, so I absolutely think Wilmer Flores will be in there that day. And he will be the shortstop until Cabrera comes back. What does he need to improve on for this club to really believe in him? I think what's interesting about Wilmer is they love the way he hits. I mean, he's a good hitter, he's a clutch hitter, and he hits lefties really well. So what they want to do is they want him to play a lot. Uh, they're going to platoon him at places where there are guys that don't hit against lefties, like Cabrera. Uh, Neil Walker does not hit lefties well, and Lucas Duda doesn't hit lefties well. 
So he could be playing 130, 140 games just as a backup going all around the infield. What do you like specifically from him, you know, in the field? Because for him to play so many different positions, potentially, that could be difficult for a guy who's only used to one or two positions. Yes, but you know what? He has been moved around his entire Mets career. He has never stayed at one position long. Um, so it's kind of interesting. He's almost groomed for this position by, you know, position moving around stuff since the day he got with the Mets. He profiles as, you know, a third baseman. He has the power for a third baseman. He, he looks incredibly comfortable there. Um, I like him at third base, but if you don't have a spot for him with Dave Wright right now, um, I think he's kind of the perfect guy to be there in case Wright goes down with a back issue again. So speaking of David Wright, if you had to predict how many games he plays this season, because he missed 127 regular season games last year, if you had to predict how many games he plays this year, what would you say? I'm going to go around 100. I mean, they've they've really worked him slowly into this spring training. And everybody's optimistic and everybody's saying it's proactive. But I'm having a real hard time seeing him playing more than 100 games right now. Well, especially because it's a back injury. And those kind of injuries, if they're degenerative, they don't, you know, they players don't really come back from that. No. I mean, we talked to Don Mattingly yesterday. It prematurely ended his career. Now, of course, there's advancements. And, you know, David is clearly taking as good care as anyone has. But that's a tough thing to play through. So, you know, it's going to be interesting what you're going to get from him. He's signed through 2020. It'll be interesting to see how far he gets into that. You also wrote the story of Jacob deGrom possibly missing the Mets opening series versus the Royals because it coincides with his wife's due date. I remember back in 2014 when Daniel Murphy caught a lot of flack for missing the first two games of the season. Do you think deGrom could catch any of the same criticism? You know, I don't think so. I think I hope people learn from Daniel Murphy. That was kind of a ridiculous backlash. Yeah. He missed two games, and he said the right thing. He wanted to be there when his son was born. You know, he's he's got that right. Um, I think Jacob might have gotten out in front of it a little bit by doing this story. I mean, he was very determined that, no, you know, even if he was named opening day starter, he's not missing his son's birth. So, you know, I, I think if he gets flat for it, he's not going to care. And quite honestly, Terry Collins is going to care because he is behind him 100% on this. Should we have any concerns about his health going into the season? I know he was scratched for a, a stiff back. Yeah, I watched his bullpen on Monday afterwards. He threw 39 pitches. If something was seriously wrong with him, he wouldn't be throwing that many pitches. He looked fine to me. He let probably about 10 of those go at full speed. Jacob is a pitcher that can be high maintenance between starts. You know, he gets nicked, he gets bruises, he gets sore. Um, and, you know, if you notice in the beginning of the season, he gets little nicks and stuff too. So I'm not terribly concerned about it, but you never know with injuries in the mess. Yeah, that's true. What do you think is the least talked about storyline so far coming into the season? I think the two things that would concern me the most is the fact that their bench is really young and doesn't have a proven pinch hitter on it. And I think their bullpen, I'd like to see where their bullpen's going to be. I mean, the Stardo has not been good uh, in spring training. I'm curious to see what the Mets do about that. So those two things have kind of flown under the radar, but are very important things going into the season. Have you seen anything from the bullpen that, you know, gives you any sort of hope or any, everything seems negative right now, what you're looking at? Well, I think Familia looks fabulous. 
Okay. Jury's Familia, who was awful in spring training last year, is looking good. His velocity is a little down, but he just hasn't ratcheted it up yet. Um, you know, he looks good. Tim Henderson, who's a reclamation project, he was with the Brewers for a few years, had shoulder issues, but is coming around. He looks really good. Uh, he's impressed a lot of people in spring training, and he could be one of those guys, you know, a diamond in the rough that they found. Do you agree with Bryce Harper, you know, talking about the younger guys, and he was saying how this generation sees baseball, you know, completely differently than he does. Do you agree with him when he says baseball is tired? I think it can be seen that way. I mean, I believe me, the fun police can come out in sports and, and baseball and poo-poo any fun anybody's having. Personally, I love bat flips. I like pitchers staring down a batter. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. And I, I like watching Bryce Harper play. So I kind of agree with him that, you know, we, baseball needs to lighten up a little bit. Well, plus you're down covering the team. You're in the trenches. So for you, having some excitement, having some fun stuff to do on the side is uh, is kind of cool, too. And being able to see these guys, you know, show their personality and show a little bit of emotion. Yeah, it's fun when they do that. And, you know, it's, it's a long grinding season. If you're going to hold grudges and get upset about every little thing that happens, it's really going to wear on you. So I was reading on Twitter about how you've been going off about your hotel not having water. What is going on <laughs> down there? You know, it's funny, um, a, a reporter from another paper showed off and suddenly he was in his room and the, it was flooded with water. And the next thing you know, we were having our water turned off like every other night so that they could fix this. Um, I've, this is the first year I've stayed at this hotel. It's probably going to be my last. And I'm hoping I have water when I get back tonight. I hope so, too. All right, Christy, thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you down there when I'm uh, headed down there this weekend. Looking forward to it. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. All right, joining us now is Anthony DeComo from MLB.com. Anthony, you were on the golf course today. How'd you do? Uh, do we have to talk about that? <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, especially because it was bad. How bad was it? Be honest. Oh, I'm I'm not much of a golfer. You you would say. Um, I, I you know I kept the ball. I think I only lost about four or five or, or seven or eight balls. The, the number just keeps day. going up. Wow. Yeah, twelve. Uh, and it was it was around like the six or seven I would say so <laughs> that's a win. Eighteenth um, hole I made a par and I didn't even cheat to do it. Wow, so that's a win. That's impressive. And the rest I don't think I don't think we really need to talk about. If you could have a dream foursome with any of the players currently on the team, who are you taking golfing? A dream foursome. Okay, so it's me. It's Joanna Cespedes. I would take David Wright because he would sit back behind the tee box the entire time when I was off and he would just make fun of me and I think that would be fun for everyone. Does he make fun of you often? Is that like a thing? Oh yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, for sure. It's sort of like the dirty little secret about David Wright that people don't know. He's such a nice guy, um, but he has this sense of humor that's very deprecating to other people and I love that because that's kind of what my sense of humor is as well. So um, I think like in a situation like that on the golf course, if I, you know, shank my tee shot into the water, I'm going to hear about it for the next 20 minutes. So it would be perfect. And then who would my fourth be? You know, I'm going to go with the manager, Terry Collins. Wow. Because he, yeah, he is, well, first of all, he loves to golf, but second of all, it's just, he's a, he's a great ter- conversationalist, Terry Collins. He'd be a little fireball out there. I think that would be a fun, uh, 
uh, fourth. I kind of went chalk with my picks, I feel like. Yeah. They might be the best option. No, I mean, I agree. And especially because you've got good relationships with those guys. And just to be able to take them out on the links might be pretty interesting. What else do you do down there? I know you were talking about the county fair at one point. Have you been to the county fair? (laughs) I did go. Uh, My family was down here. This is a couple of screens ago at this point. I've never been to the rodeo, which is where Cespedes bought his hog. And that whole thing came up. But I've been to the county fair. And we went with... uh, my mom and my dad and my sister and my niece, who is about two years old at the time, um, so she came and there was a pig race and my niece like didn't understand what was happening, what was going on, but the pig started racing and she realized what was going on and she just went absolutely berserk uh, because if you've never seen a pig race, these little things, they probably weigh about 10 pounds each, these pigs, and they were running around and running around and that was great and she got to go on a on a merry-go-round, which I, I have found out two-year-olds love merry-go-rounds. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and uh, it's a pretty classic. It's a pretty classic county fair. If you want to eat a lot of fried food, you can do that. If you want to eat a lot of non-fried food, you you cannot do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Cespedes, whatever happened to that hog? Do we know? Well, rumor had it. Uh, I saw a tweet from Adam Rubin earlier today, and I, I cannot confirm this myself, but I saw a tweet that. He was having a barbecue at his ranch today. No. So I think you can kind of connect the dots oh, there. I'm not, I'm not saying it happened, but I'm not saying it didn't happen. So Cespedes is having this barbecue, right? Do you think the whole team's invited? Do you think this is a, a you know a group deal? I hope so. Yeah. I I, I mean, like, do you, you get a, do you get the sense that, that the guys it? like him? That they're you know they're really into him as in his character, his personality. Yeah, they they really do. Um, I I think that the team is totally taken to this guy. Um, I, I, he's just an interesting cat. He, he's so many baseball players out there. You know, not even just on the Mets, but throughout the game are are very much fit a certain mold. And there's not a lot of variance in, in personality sometimes when you get someone like this who comes on long and it's totally interesting um and obviously has this interest other than baseball too and is curious about different aspects of things I, I think it's easy to like a guy like that and a lot of these players do now of course it helps that he produces on the field and uh you know has made a great reputation that way but um yeah i, I think the whole team for the most part is taken to this guy and really enjoys spending time with him Huh. I'm really interested to see that because I didn't get to see that last year. And I'm interested to see if it changes the, the locker room dynamic at all. Because when I was down there, I got the sense that Matt Harvey was very much kind of a silent leader and people respected him, but people weren't necessarily like best buds with Matt Harvey. But I'm getting kind of the opposite sense from Cespedes. Not that he's, you know, not a leader, but everyone's a, a big fan of him and everyone wants to be friends with him. Well, the other dynamic that's at play there is uh, I think David Wright not being in the clubhouse for four months last year definitely played a role because you really can't overstate what he means to the team in that sense. Um, regardless of whether you care about uh, those types of intangible things, what goes on in the clubhouse, leadership, and blah, 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 uh, the fact is he's a very important, the most important voice in that clubhouse. So when he was missing, I think there was a void last year, but now that he's back, um, it, it's still for as long as he's around. I mean, it's his room. And other guys will come and other guys will be important both on and off the field. But it, it's David Wright's room and it has been really for as long as I've covered the team and probably will be for at least the foreseeable future here. If you have to explain how the players feel about Matt Harvey, how would you explain it? 
That's a that's a very loaded question. Um, look, when you when you talk about the things he's done off the field, I don't think it's any great secret that it has rubbed the team the wrong way at times, and surely that trickles down to the players in the clubhouse. But if you ask any of them about it, they'll tell you, you know, he's a great pitcher, and that's true. And I think there's a sense with a lot of these guys, uh, whether it's Matt Harvey, who's kind of the poster child for this off-the-field stuff, but anyone, really, as long as he's out there producing and, and if you're a teammate and you know he's giving his all on the field and he's giving everything he's got working out in between starts and is, is basically being the best that he can be, I don't think you care as much about the other stuff. I think the Mets kind of feel the same way, too, about Matt Harvey. Um, is he the popularity king in the, in the clubhouse? Is he everybody's best friend? No. You could say that about a lot of people. Um, but again, as long as he's out there pitching and doing well, I, I, I don't think he's disliked by any means. So speaking of somebody who is actually, you know, more Mr. Popular in, uh, in baseball, Bryce Harper decides to go on a little bit of a rant about how baseball is tired. Goose Gossage felt a little differently about it than Bryce Harper. What's your take about baseball? You've been covering it for a while. You're in the trenches. How do you feel about baseball and whether, you know, whether you think it's tired or not? I love Bryce Harper's take. I mean, and I love all that stuff. I I like the showmanship. I like the bat flips. Uh, sign me up for as much of that as possible. I don't know if I would say baseball is tired because I I love watching the sport, but, I, you know, I come from a generation that maybe doesn't love watching the sport as much as the older ones. So I, I understand a little bit uh, what he's saying there. Um, but I do think he's totally right that we need more of this stuff. We need to entertain people. It's a game. Like, have some fun with it and don't get offended if someone beats you. So speaking of Bryce Harper and the Nationals, completely underwhelming last year. I mean, surprisingly so. What's your expectations for them this season? I think on paper they got a little bit worse, and in reality they're going to get a little bit better. Um, I just think they majorly, majorly, majorly underperformed last year with the personnel that they had. Um, and I'm not even necessarily talking about the whole, well, Dusty Baker's going to come in and make everything right. Uh, maybe that plays a little bit of a role, but they just had so many injuries last year. Um, you know, we talked about injuries early in the year for the Mets. The Nationals had it way worse, and probably way worse than just about any other team in baseball. So I, I think being healthy is going to play a big role. Um, I think Bryce Harper is the best player in baseball. I, I would take him over Mike Trout probably. Uh, it's close, but I would. And I just think they're going to be better just on the basis of not having to deal theoretically with a lot of the stuff that they dealt with last year. Uh, is it good enough to challenge the Mets? Yeah, probably to challenge them. I don't think they're a better team than the Mets. I don't think they'll overtake the Mets uh, as long as things go right here. But I do think it's going to be a little bit of a dogfight, certainly more than it was at the end of last year. So you would say in the division, the Nationals are the biggest threat to the Mets? Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, you've got two teams that essentially aren't necessarily trying to win this year in the Phillies and the Braves. Uh, <laughs> and the third team, well, they're not. And it's a viable strategy that other teams have used and can't really fault them for it. Um, and the third team is the wild card. You know, the Marlins could, if things go right, you know, if things break right for them, they could make a run. They could also fall back and do what they were last year. Um, but the, the one team 
that I think consistently uh, is going to be there from April 1st until the end of September is the Nationals, yeah. So looking at this team, and now that you've been down there with them for a while, a lot of people are saying that the bullpen is their question mark. Do you agree with that? Do you think that that's their biggest weakness? No, I don't agree with that. I think it's their defense. I think the bullpen is fine. I actually like, I know Antonio Bissardo hasn't had a great spring at all, but I like that addition a lot. I think some of their middle-inning guys, um, they have more depth there than people really uh, give them credit for. But I think defense, if there's going to be one thing that is the Mets done doing, that's going to be it. Um, they made some upgrades to the middle infield, uh, but that was more because the guys that were starting there earlier weren't great defenders at all. So I think infield defense is a question mark. I think certainly outfield defense is a question mark, but Cespedes essentially playing out of position. Uh, Michael Conforto's not a great defender. Curtis Granderson used to be but really isn't anymore now that he's in his mid-30s. So I just think all around the diamonds, it was a conscious decision the Mets made to go offense over defense. And they did make that decision knowing they have a strikeout pitching staff. Uh, they're going to have opposing teams put the ball in play less often against them than most other teams do. But it, it is. If you look at offense, you look at the pitching staff, starting pitching, bullpen, defense, I think defense is a clear deficiency of all those areas. Well, and I know on Twitter you were saying how you want to stop hearing people say that Ruben Tejada is an above-average um, defender, which I, I, I totally understand. But the, here's the problem. If David Wright and Astro Cabrera are both hurt, right, and Ruben Tejada is now yeah. no longer with the Mets, who plays those yeah. positions? Well, you've got Wilmer Flores at shortstop then and uh, probably Eric Campbell at third base. So, yeah, that was the curious part of the Ruben Tejada move to me because it, it takes away – a measure of the depth that they had. I think he was a little bit of a nice safety net for them, probably nothing more than that, because I, I don't think, you know, he's a great, great player. I don't think uh, you want him out there as often as the Mets have had him out there in recent years. But with the injury concerns that they have, especially to David Wright, knowing Wilmer Floyd would probably get a lot of reps at third base instead of shortstop this year, it was nice having that bona fide, a guy who, yes, not a good, not a great, I should say, defensive shortstop, but an average defensive shortstop, which is probably better than you have anywhere else on your roster. It was nice having that safety net there. They don't have it anymore. It was a calculated risk that they obviously made to get some of that money off the roster. And we'll see if it comes back to bite them. All right, last question. It's a two-parter. Who will be your most improved player on the team, and who will be your team MVP when it's all said and done? The team MVP really is, is probably going to come from the pitching staff, and I think when all is said and done, it very well maybe Noah Syndergaard you could probably go ahead and put him as the most improved as well as a cop-out, so I won't do it. Uh, but I, I just think you look at this guy's stuff, and he has a chance to be one of the top five pitchers in baseball. And that's pretty hard to do because he could also be the third-best pitcher on his own staff. I do think he, he's shown that he can put it together and, and will put it together, and as long as he stays healthy, I, I think he's going to make a leap into the stratosphere of elite players. Um as far as most improved, there's, there's a lot of guys uh, who have a chance to be in that category. Uh, Michael Conforto, only because he hasn't had a full season. But I think an under-the-radar guy actually is Wilmer Flores. I think he's going to get a ton of playing time. I don't think he hit up to his potential last year. I think there's room for him to be better, uh, for him to be a really legitimate power threat as, as a middle infield, as a guy who's bouncing around shortstop, third base, second base. So I think he's a guy to watch out for. Um, good head on his shoulders, and I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a leap forward, uh, not necessarily to become a star, but be, to become a solid, everyday player, the type of guy 
the Mets have long envisioned him to be. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds as well. Thank you so much, Anthony, for being with us. And go work on your golf game. I'll see you down there this weekend. I need the luck. Thank you. All right, podcast listeners, that was Christy Eckert from The Daily News and Anthony DiComo from MLB.com. If you want to follow Christy, she is at Eckert underscore N-Y-D-N, and Anthony is Anthony DiComo. You know, it's going to be a a lot of fun getting down there. I'm excited on Saturday. I'm going to try and get as many interviews as I can while I'm down there for the week and put together a Mets podcast for you guys. That's my goal. We'll see what happens. It might just be me talking for an hour about what I've learned and my experiences, which could be fine, too. And if you guys don't want to listen, that's totally cool. I'm going to do it anyway. Please listen. But my goal is to get as many interviews with um, some of the guys, even if it's just five minutes, kind of what we did with the beat reporters today, talking a little bit of, of fun baseball and then a little bit of the X's and O's. So stay tuned for that next week. This is a little bit of the preview show. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you to myself, and let's go get a snack.